Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochulillo. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, uh, Ms. Ida, author of Hoodoo Cleansing, and Jared Murphy, monthly co-host. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Sunbo, and he has written a book, uh, let's see what's the name over here, I keep forgetting, The Sasquatch Message to Humanity, Conversations with Elder Kamu. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yes. So, I've been, like I said, I've been reading the, the, the first um in the book, in the series, and uh, I think it's an incredibly awesome book. And um, so, I guess, like for a quick overview, how did you start uh, communicating with Sasquatch? Oh yeah, uh, it's a long story. Uh, my first contact was forty years ago. Uh, close encounter, I should say. When I was in uh, Chihalis, uh, which is a native reservation, uh, from where the very name Sasquatch comes from in uh, British Columbia by the Fraser River. Uh, that's a long story. I told actually in my last interview and I wrote it, so I won't repeat it all. But that night, uh, there were a bunch of young guys camping out and, uh, Sasquatch came, and uh, we are heavy footfalls and uh, brushes moving, and uh, we put down our camp, our lean-to, I should say, we, we built uh, some kind of a lean-to, and uh, he snapped the main post, and the uh, roof fell on our faces, <laughs> and... Uh, we were kind of surprised and we didn't have no clue what was going on. We didn't understand what was going on. One of us was outside, said he saw a big uh, hairy monster come and uh, put down the camp and disappear. And uh, we didn't believe it. We didn't have any clue at all. We didn't even think about Sasquatch then. It was not even a popular topic. But uh, that was the start of it, and uh, then it, go, it went on for years and years, where I had occasional encounters. I had sightings, I heard them, uh, running, uh, screaming, when you, you can be sure nothing else sounds like it, it cannot be nothing else. <coughs> so, um, over the years, I kept wondering, but it was, I was on a shamanic path, learning um about you know spiritual matters uh paranormal and spirits and with uh, many several elders of different tribes so that was my training to prepare me to be able to get to that next level 
I went after 33 years of that training. I uh, I went to visit where my uh, grandfather was born in northern Saskatchewan. And I had found the story about uh, his grandfather, my great great grandfather, when he was uh, around eight with his twin brother. He was found in the deep uh, bush in the Northwest Territories by some tree trappers who uh, adopted them. Uh, but they were speaking no human language. So uh, I connected with one of my three uh, native cousins mm -hmm. who was uh, the family historian and I questioned her about this story and she told me, well, we have Sasquatch in the family. Right. So that connected me with uh, like, oh, that's my lineage. Um, uh, technically, one uh, thirty-second Sasquatch. And then I started doing research. I was really intrigued about who are those natives, where they come from, and everything. I have no more clue than the average people today. And what happened is that I uh, started finding many stories in native uh, tribes that uh, they've had inter uh, connection they have had uh, interaction with them for uh, forever for hundreds of generations and they are at time interbred with humans so some of the tribes there are still people even who are first generation hybrid uh, that uh, were born from the Sasquatch parents uh, this is not unique to North America. You find these stories uh, as well in uh, Tibet with the Yeti or in Australia with the Yahweh. How uh, they call them down there, uh, usually. Uh, so that was the start pretty much of my, of my quest. That when I started researching and, and really wanting to connect with them, they started coming to me. And uh, it took a, long, uh, a whole year mm -hmm. before I, I could be, I could really accept and realize that it was real. What's happening to me, I would hear footsteps on my roof under a school bus I was living. Uh, around my, my, my place, I would, uh, I saw him once come and look at me through the window, uh, for a good minute and I was, my, my, what we call cognitive dissonance. My, my brain was not ready to accept it or to say, wow, this. Uh, there's always a doubt, like, am I turning crazy or making this up and everything? Until you realize, well, these things do happen and it's up to us to, to learn from them or not. You know, we can just all shut, shut it down and it, nothing happens mm -hmm. and we won't learn anything. But when I, that happened in my life, I, I became very uh, wanting to to learn, to know, to understand. And uh, after a year of those phenomena, I, I decided to go alone on a vision quest in the, the forest, Vancouver Island, because I had already had a very clear sighting there with one of my friends in daylight. So I knew they were there and I also did research and I found that Vancouver Island has the largest number of uh, sightings reported. So there's a strong 
uh, population, strong presence of the Sasquatch there. Uh, even some people call it Sasquatch Island. <laughs> I've heard of it, yeah. So uh, I went there, and uh, because there's a lot of caves that uh, offers a lot of uh, shelter. Um, and I went to the bush, and uh, that's, I, I, my, my goal was I'm going to stay there until I I meet them or I know some, learn something from them. And the first day I found uh, footprints was my first time. So it was a pretty good start, you know, at 13 inches uh, or footprints. And um, then went on for a few more days until one day I um, I sat and did ceremonies with my drum and flute and tried to call them uh, for a few hours and it, it worked because that uh, same night uh, my main Sasquatch guide uh, who gave his name as Camus for us for our language, mm-hmm. um, he came and he sat behind my my tent, like you probably read in the my book. Right. Uh, and that's when he started teaching me and explaining who they are, where they come from, how we are related. And then it went into a bigger picture of how the different star beings, uh, hybrid species that were on our planet and on other, uh, some be- before us, long before us, uh, that have developed uh, civilization and uh, intelligence uh, and consciousness. And we are basically uh, the result of a long line of, of evolution of uh, intelligent beings. And we are still uh, related and connected to uh, other species on other planets. So the Sasquatch in there, there are closest related genetically. It's been proven uh, by several research. <coughs> they are, um, well, they have 99% the same DNA than we do. So they're very, uh, no, even, even the big apes are not this close from us. So that uh, some kind of a, another human uh, species are very close to us, which explains why uh, there's been uh, interbreeding over the generation. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in your book is that, um, like they're like our elder brothers; they were here before us. <coughs> um, you know, on this planet. Can you talk a little bit about that and, you know, how, like, you also mentioned about Atlantis and, you know, humans sort of becoming corrupted? Yeah. Uh, Not only humans, there's different species that have turned, that have chosen the path um, against natural law, against, like, the maintaining of balance. Uh, for the, whether domination or greed or, uh, it's often, uh, more often about that domination because the, the most precious resource in the universe, uh, we might think it's water or gold, but in reality it's intelligent souls. Right. 
because if you control uh, the mind, the souls, you can control the world. And that's all uh, with predator groups uh, who go around the universe. A bit, a bit like pirates. Uh, their best way to conquer a world is to conquer the people's mind. Uh, so this alien invasion is not happening like in Hollywood with big spaceships shooting down at us. It. It's happening uh, quietly from within, and there's some of their agents or the, that are. Um, Infiltrated into human affairs and controlling the world as they, for their agenda. Mm. Uh, I'm not the only one. I mean, there's a lot of sources talking about those people. We could, we often refer to the reptilians or the greys. Um, it's, uh, generic terms because, you know, there's, it's such a vast spectrum yeah. of uh, species. And groups and alliances between species, and so what they taught me the Sasquatch they say don't judge anyone by the suit or by the by the species by the what their appearance, but by their action. Uh, some groups might be uh, reptilian or gray and might be benevolent. Uh, while on the other hand, if we ask ourselves. Uh, humans is humanity benevolent or malevolent <laughs> uh, there's uh, both answers are right because it depends what humans decide to do that's true so it's pretty much the same on the cosmic level with all, any kind of groups or species that mm-hmm. are intelligent uh, they can choose a benevolent uh, beneficial service or uh, uh, evil or malevolent agenda. Right. One of the things that you also mentioned that I think is interesting is that I guess at one time we had um, telepic tel- I can't say the word but tel- telepathic or telepathic, telepathic, yeah. telepathic communication with our star elders and we could communicate with each other the same way that you were communicating with the Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. And at some point during our decline we lost that ability. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we have um, we, the humanity has been even uh, modified genetically a few times. If we trust what the Chinese geneticists uh, discover, uh, we have two hundred and sixty-five introduced genes or horizontal genes. Uh, in the human genome. And that means at least 265 interventions to modify our DNA. Uh, just a few years ago, these things sounded like pure sci-fi, but nowadays, us humans do those things. Yeah. We, we, we create GMOs, we can even uh, modify uh, your uh, RNA, uh, all kind of stuff like that. That is not always necessarily the, the best or for the best interest of life. Uh, in cases, it might be, uh, maybe uh, at some point, uh, some in, uh, intervention were improvement. 
in other cases, well, they were to make us more uh, more docile, more, more servile, easier to control. Uh, one uh, example is that we find around the world, and that's just about every continent, uh, uh, we found some uh, human or humanoids with uh, elongated skulls. We say elongated, uh, but actually some have naturally longer skulls. Right, like the uh, Paracas skulls. Exactly. When I was in Nazca, I got to touch some of those mummies. Uh, that were non-human, if you ask me. They're, that's what the shamans believe. Yeah? Uh, they are all shorter. They have two and a half times the brain capacity. Uh, so those beings were civilizers, civilizers, because they came to bring technology and knowledge and to guide humanity at some point. So some of them are uh, alive. They, they somehow are even much more advanced than we are, so they are watchers. They kind of um, supervise what, or keep watch for what's going on on our planet and others. Um, and they, they will not necessarily intervene unless it's really necessary, or we're like uh, planets are like. Uh, testing grounds and uh, a species a humanity like like us is uh, the test to see what we're gonna do with with this consciousness with this knowledge we have. Uh, sometimes it's a failure, sometimes it works, sometimes it's a partly working and part failure. So there are splits happening. Uh, I believe uh, right now. Humanity is a bit at this crossroad where, <coughs> with all the new um, technologies involved to bring a transhumanist agenda, uh, there is uh, some great risk of a failure, at least in part, in our evolution. Once we become, once people become cyborg and trans transgenic. Um, transhuman, the the damage done on the genetic the evolution is irreversible. Hmm. So, um, so that's one thing the Sasquatch in their message they uh, warn us about to uh, trust the natural course of evolution and to support it because it was it's been made with certain rules and if we break those rules we're playing with fire and we can cause much harm so why why were sasquatches able to maintain their ability of uh telepathy in their place in the um i guess it's like they call the star council and yeah. and we didn't uh, yeah, well, it's because um, we actually, we potentially can have all the same psychic abilities than uh, they have or uh, other advantages. It's a matter of remembering because there has been um, a control agenda over our planet. 
for, for thousands of years. It has some uh, ruling power and dynasties that came here to take control and have manipulated humanity, like I said, through genetics, but also through mind control. And it's still happening today. Uh, there are powers who, who use humanity as a, a, an asset. The, the, uh, we don't count for them. It's just, uh, it's just another trade item, basically. That uh, if they can use us, our workforce, our intelligence for their agenda, then the, they should be must use, useless or is, uh, useful and or essential. But if we don't or if we resist the agenda, they, they be must useless and, uh, want to clear clear the call the herb <coughs> so we uh, humanity has been harmed somehow and uh, but the Sasquatch haven't they have remained perfectly autonomous uh, uh, can live in any environment any climate without any the need of any external support or tools and they uh, also have kept their psychic abilities because they didn't fall into the dumbing down the mind control that we, uh, us and our ancestors have. Mm. Um, so are they trying to help us now out of this mess that we're in? Yeah. Uh, the Sasquatch being our closest relatives and being... Uh, as since they stayed in touch with natural lungs and with the star, what they call it, Council of Star Elders, um, there are different names for it, uh, Intergalactic Council, uh, people, the, the watchers, the, the higher consciousness beings who watch over the world. So uh, those beings visit Earth sometimes. Uh, and the Sasquatch are connected with them. Some humans uh, are, I mean, we can be, it's a choice a bit to, uh, to accept uh, this help that they offer and those teachings. And, and uh, because their goal is to keep the world in, in balance and uh, in harmony and uh, a level where beneficial for all life in so, so what is their um, I mean what is their main message um, from them to us and I know this is kind of a huge question because you basically have written three books on this yeah yeah uh, well um, the main message is um like you say, it's hard to summarize, but one of the main thing is to get back to our the true essence and remember to which uh, includes the natural law. The, the, there are laws written in nature itself that make it work. If our intelligence is used to understand those laws, to decode them, and to work with them, uh, we basically can transcend physical uh, limits 
but it has to be done with um, consciousness, with wisdom, not for selfish interest. Because it's being done actually by some scientific uh, circles, uh, trying to twist uh, the fabric of space-time and uh, trying to to twist the time travel or to uh, interfere with the natural course, basically. Um, but this has consequences, and we, we're, there's no unbalance that doesn't create ripples. So, our, like, to answer your question, our, our main goal as human beings is to remember who we are and what we, what's our purpose being here. As they explain it, uh, this plane here of creation, this it's the plane of evolution. We come here. Like to go to school, to learn, to heal, to grow, to uh, find uh, our purpose, find our contribution to the universe, and uh, this way we become better, better souls, better beings. Hmm. How do we do that? I mean, that, that's a. It sounds simple, but that's an awfully tough thing for humans to do. Yeah. Well, that's the greatest challenge, I guess. Uh, well, there are always been some wisdom that was offered to humanity, uh, whether through uh, some humans who attain the level of consciousness, or uh, studying, or the beings like Sasquatch. Uh, some, you know, you could. Some people will say angels or. Uh, you can work with nature to to do some shamanism. Uh, animal spirits are very important because they're also very connected with the natural law, with the the healing ways and all that. So um, there's many sources we can look at for wisdom and guidance. <coughs> of course, every individual will find what resonates the most what for their own path. Uh, there are books that can help. Uh, I would just advise not to get stuck on any one book because every one book is limited and cannot tell the whole truth. So uh, it's good to have various sources and compare and find the truth for ourselves. The truth is what resonates with us. Uh, even if the story may, may be wrong, in the end what matters the most is the message. Mm -hmm. uh, let's take any any story like Jesus. Uh, is, it, is it historically provable? No. Is it but uh, the message has transformed millions of lives. So maybe it's secondary to know the source or the of the messenger is not as important as the message itself because truth is uh, un universal and it remains through ages no matter what messenger will uh, say it. That's why we find the same truth in uh, various great spiritual teachings, for instance. Uh, same sentences. Uh, like uh, do unto others as you want to be done unto yourself. Uh, that was 
in their Buddhist writing before it was in the Bible. So that gives an, uh, an idea of uh, what truth is, is where everybody, uh, it, when it re resonates and on a vast number of souls. So one of the things that you talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, is us being corrupted by technology. Should people give up using technology and live closer with nature? On a certain level, there is a technology contributes to a from disconnection from nature, from each other. Uh, people now don't talk together, they, they watch their phone and stuff. But uh, it's not the technology that is the problem in itself, from my understanding. It's, it's the way we, we relate to it, the way we use it. There are some uh, species that travel across the universe. They certainly need technology. They need uh, to use black holes and wormholes, all kind of um, targets and things that we, we barely start to understand with our high high tech machinery now. Um, and uh, it's like any tool. It's like a, even a, an axe. You know, you can split can chop wood or you can split your neighbor's head. It depends what you do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think with technology, it can be a very useful tool. I use, you know, we all use technology. But as long as we remain the master, we don't become a slave or dependent or um, then, then that we don't use for uh, wrong purposes for harming or whatever, uh, that is a chance mm -hmm. to um, So, <clears throat> how does, does Sasquatch have their technology, or do they do everything through uh, consciousness? The greatest technology is consciousness. If we could learn how to, like, Dematerialize and materialize and teleport, uh, manifest, materialize objects, um, this kind of thing, or with our own consciousness. Uh, we wouldn't need machinery or anything, uh, would become useless, obsolete to use machinery if we could do it with our, our consciousness. Consciousness I define as a very essential existence, as in quantum physics, there is no uh, existence without consciousness. Basically, consciousness dreams, like some would say, or thinks existence into itself. Mm. So this, uh, my, my second book on the Sasquatch message to humanity uh, goes much deeper into the dimensions, how the dimensions what they are, how they work, how they are interrelated. Because uh, we live in a universe uh, that counts uh, antimatter, dark matter, uh, all kind of this layers of existence that we pretend to forget or just ignore uh, in the physical plane because our consciousness has been trapped, in a sense, has been 
strain to only relate to the physical plane, the linear space-time, like if there was nothing else. Uh, in reality, we know very well now with science that that is a very thin layer, which is about 3% of the energy we can calculate in the universe. So there is all this rest of energy that we, we might not see or hear physically, but is there. It's going right through matter. It, uh, it's influencing it. It's, into, uh, it's interfering with matter. So uh, we could call these planes, I know, like uh, the etheric or and the astral plane and the other level of existence that we are part of, uh, often unconsciously or unknowingly. Hmm. Um, so, is a Sasquatch able to cross over from one dimension to another, and that's why they seem to vanish? Exactly. Yeah, uh, this, uh, from hundreds of uh, accounts, uh, well, I've personally talked with over 400 people who had encounters or communication with Sasquatch. Um, plus, if you look at all the ancient traditions, the tribal traditions, uh, from Tibet to Australia and North America, everywhere, the tribes, well, the people who know Sasquatch, they will all tell you that they are not a big ape or a big, not even an animal, it's a very advanced intelligent being with psychic powers that we could call magical because if we don't understand. Uh, because they keep manifesting, appearing, disappearing, and doing all kind of tricks that uh, go beyond our normal um, normal understanding. Um, so why uh, actually what they do uh, from working with them years now, they're teaching us. Uh, each time they manifest something or themselves in any way. There's always like a teaching coming with it to help us understand the dimensions of the interaction. Uh, there's, there's too many stories. It's very long uh, to describe all the different possibilities of that. But you know, um, commonly it's, uh, appearing and disappearing. Mm -hmm. uh, many, many people have witnessed so when you see that, you re right away you understand. You say, okay, well that's not a regular normal ape with uh, or an animal like we've been told. That's something more to it. And bit by bit, they will give us if we work with them. It's always a, a we have the choice. Nothing is imposed on us, and they won't slap on us, slap us in the face for for us to learn. It's like we have to do also our own efforts. And uh, which is first of all wanting to learn, being open, and then there's a certain part of going uh, beyond our fear because it's uh, it can be quite uh, impressive, at the very least, uh, when the Sasquatch appears to you or something appears or disappears or this kind of phenomenon, paranormal phenomenon, uh, will definitely be quite impressive and can be frightening if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, so many people will just stop there and they don't want to see anymore and that's it. 
So it takes some goodwill, it takes some effort and overcome the fear and one thing to be willing to watch the intention. Mm-hmm. What's the intention of wanting this knowledge? Is it because they want to be powerful and you want to manipulate people or something? That That's not a good start. No? If it's to become a better human, to understand better the universe, so you can work better with it, then that's a, that's the way they, that's what they're looking for. They look for people with good intention. Wow. So that's completely sort of <clears throat> in line with uh, what Ron Moorhead had told me about yeah. going, you know, if you approach researching the Bigfoot phenomenon with an open mind in an open heart you're mm-hmm. more likely to have an encounter or if you're doing it as a skeptic or you're closed off or you know have negative energy you're less likely to have an encounter yeah that's true is, so how how does the bigfoot like what is the big what what do they think of us and what we're doing to the planet like, or do they get angry at humans for, for going out there and destroying the environment and taking in all the trees and things like that, polluting the water, polluting the air? Yeah. Well, they, they are people, so they have emotions. Uh, so that means they can be happy, they can be angry. Uh, it's, it's not so easy to make one or anyone angry, actually. <laughs> like kind of a bunch of armed guys in their backyard or in, in their home. That's enough to make, you know, that's just about anyone angry. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, what we heard, what we hear, and a lot is that uh, one way to defend themselves, they will throw a boulder or a log. But in all those cases so far, I've seen many. The log or the, the boulder lands next to the target, doesn't land on them. So it's a warning. Mm-hmm. I've never heard so far of all those stories, someone who got hit by those rocks. It's just a warning to keep you out. Uh, of course, if you don't take the warning and, you know, there might be documented cases where this has processed with people. Uh, well, that would happen in any tribe, in any you know human group that you would go and attack. Um, but on the other end, I, I suggest um, my encyclopedia on uh, encyclopedia of all things Sasquatch, which uh, was published after the Sasquatch Mythos to Humanity series. Mm-hmm. It's uh, three hundred and sixty some pages. Uh, it's I did uh, very exhaustive, intensive research in hundreds of sources to find out everything that has been said and written about Sasquatch and with their guidance to sort out, you know, what's made up, what's a myth, because sometimes we can find out, we can know. Uh, there's a lot of the cases that were attacked, if you really, so-called, if you really study them, nobody got hurt. Uh, it was more often like an argument than an attack, or even some people just freaked out for nothing. Mm-hmm. 
and they call it an attack because they saw Sasquatch walk by. So um, the great, great, great majority, for instance, you know, the famous Phonobia uh, or what's the name? Hoax monster, Boggy Creek monster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they made movies, they got a festival, they got, you know, that's a big selling story. Thing is, if you look at the, if you research deeper, uh, in 100 years there, out of over 250 peaceful sightings reported, well, there's always more that's not, that are not reported, 250 re- reported peaceful sightings, one time that Sasquatch tried to stick his hands in the house and was shot, and he got mad and he kind of kicked the guy before leaving. And that was a source of a big horror show, uh, movies and uh, uh, money-making uh, festival. Uh, where is the truth in there? It's like, yeah, one time maybe when Sasquatch gets mad because he got shot at, but what about the 262 other times? When they were peaceful, mm-hmm. so that's what uh, re- deeper research shows: is that there is a lot of fear speculated about uh, Sasquatch. There's a lot of um, sensationalism because it's, it's what sells. So, you know, most a lot of people who are into the Bigfoot world. It's, they're in for the money, they're in for the fame. Uh, and that's the attitude they don't like, so they don't get to meet that question. Right. On the other hand, I can tell you that uh, the most, I've met, like I said, hundreds of people who have contact so far. And, and the people who are the most authentic and the clo- they have the deepest connections with, with Sasquatch, they don't want to go public with it. Most often, it's a pub, private matter. They can mm-hmm. show a trusted friend. Or, uh, you know, if they do, they will use a pseudo name. And, uh, um, there is uh, definitely the real people, real experiences. And that show up. They are usually very humble, simple people who just learn and they're happy to share when they can but they're not there to to get followers or to you know because uh, there's no no place for truth and mainstream <laughs> yeah. yeah um so are there any other people like you who are able to have you know, telepathic communications with Sasquatch? Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, uh, the book three, the third book of the Sasquatch Message to Humanity is the collaboration of 10 co-authors who, who channels Sasquatch uh, at my suggestion. <coughs> because people wanted more book, more book, but, uh, well, it's a lot of work to write a book, right? <laughs> yes, it so, is. Um, I said, well, let's do it together. And um, the proceeds go for the conference, annual conference. So there's um, 
people from Australia, Navajo men, and going from uh, Hawaii, people from different backgrounds, different places who have contacted Sasquatch and shared what they received. Mm. Uh, of course, <coughs> no, there's different levels of what we, we experience and what we live. Uh, it's good there's different levels because there's for, for everybody. There's even a children. Uh, children can learn about those things. So that's uh, one thing. But uh, I I keep finding I keep meeting people. Uh, there's it's quite uh, amazing that sometimes there's areas like the northwest is more pretty much more in touch than the rest of the continent with Sasquatch. But there's uh, many times I go to uh, whatever, a store or uh, whoever, I talk, talk to someone I meet and Sasquatch comes on the topic and oh, they had an experience, but they never talked about it. Uh, even the native, mm -hmm. I went to the, the native and I asked, oh, you have Sasquatch stories here? They said, well, yeah, but we don't talk about it, you know. And then I start talking about my experience, and oh, okay, now they will be happy to share because they can trust you. But most people can understand those things or can't relate, and you'll be laughed at. Or especially if you get into uh, the interdimensional level, you know, and many people would be ready. It's easier maybe to believe there's a big primate out there that to believe they are. Uh, they have interdimensional abilities and telepathy, and that they can teleport and that they can travel in spaceships. That's already, uh, it takes another step beyond the feeling that it's. And the story is, though, is that's the real deal. Mm -hmm. uh, whether we like it or not, whether we, we would prefer to have a big ape with a sheep, it's not happening. That's not, not the thing. The thing is, those beings are very, very ancient, very advanced, very wise. They are very close related to us. And the more you search, the more you search, you go in, around the world in ancient sites, the more that's what you come to find, uh, the people who have first-hand experience. So, is that why, like, also, like, when there's a lot of, when there's Sasquatch sightings, and here a lot of times there's also um like glowing orb sightings as well are they connected yeah being um working on different dimensions they have interdimensional knowledge and abilities so orbs orbs uh from my uh, the way they, i understand and explain it but i've seen many orbs uh, i've seen orbs uh, appear right in front of me, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, touch it, you know. Um, uh, during ceremony, that was above an hotel during the native feeling. Another time, an orb appeared in front of our canoe. We were looking for a place to do a sweat lodge. And the, the orb spiraled and pulled the canoe to the exact spot we needed to find. So, uh, Orbs do exist, and they are also conscious beings. Uh, what I understand, like, uh, uh, there's photos of me with orbs, uh, <coughs> is that 
flat it's uh, the simple simplest form or shape in the universe is the is a sphere and the matter we could say the fifth element that bridges physical matter with non-physical is the plasma it's basically a undefined particles that go appear in and out of existence at a very fast speed. Uh, that's what plasma is. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's basically it's crude or very raw matter that is not defined or materialized into shape or to diversified uh, elements. So the, the orbs is like a plasma body that the entities can take. It could be the Sasquatch, it could be ancestors or spirits uh, uh, is quite common also in those cases where um, they manifest by condensing their mass into a ball of plasma that uh, can be or can be not visible depending on circumstances, light, people's perception. I have seen cases where uh, some of us could see orbs and others could not at the same time. Um, so it's a bit the same with every kind of uh, third dimensional um, phenomenon where um, some people will uh, might hear or see things very clearly while the next people to them don't. It's almost like it's a very indivi individual personalized message. Mm -hmm. That is sent to, to each person. Um, how about people who try to communicate with Sasquatch through wood knocks and howls? Is that um, an effective method, or should they be trying to just use telepathy? Uh, I think it's very, it's very amateur. Yes. First of all, do you know the code? Huh? How many, <laughs> how many knocks? What does that mean? Or, <clears throat> or you're just guessing and you like you're saying sending Morse code, but you don't understand Morse code. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I believe it's uh, uh, it's kind of funny when I see those guys. Uh, I'm not trying to put them down or anything. Uh, because you want, we want to experiment. We want to, uh, but uh, I've never heard so far. I mean, I mean, maybe you might have a a knock back or something. Mm -hmm. um, usually, when they knock on trees, it's to let you know that you're in their territory. They let you know, hey, I'm here. So if you start knocking back, you you have to know what you're doing. Uh, it's the same with um, three structures, you know, they build, they leave structures like TP shapes and things like that. Uh, uh, people try to interpret those things. Um, there's not a, in my understanding, there's not a code or an alphabet to read those things. You have to use the intuition. And the way I read those things usually is like, I connect with the soul of the one who made it. 
interpreted, and they can give you exactly the the feeling at least or the the reason for this thing. Uh, even, and that's always up to them. You know, they don't have to tell us everything that we ask. Mm-hmm. They tell us what we allowed and what was useful for us. What is the purpose of some of the structures that they make? I call those uh, communication devices. Mm-hmm. It's a form of artwork. Uh, it's this thing, and when you start, you know, if you walk by, a lot of people don't even notice. They see a pile of sand and even think about it, or they might say, "Oh, that's strange." Or, uh, but if you stop and start reading it, it's encoded, full of intelligence messages. There's weavings in it, there's uh, knots, there's, uh, you, you, the more you look into it, the more you realize it's been made with care and it's uh, for a purpose. It's not a random pile of branch thrown there. Uh, when you start to understand, you start to feel their intelligence when you start to read their codes. And that's usually um, one way to communicate to communicate in um, telepathy. It opens this door, kind of. It's like uh, sending a message uh, saying, uh, call me, or something like that. Hmm. So how would you do that? Like if if somebody finds a structure in the woods and wants to use it to try to make some type of connection with Sasquatch, would you like 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 sit down, maybe like like meditate on that structure and <clears throat> try to open yourself up? Yeah. Well, that yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, you you. It's like uh, my uh, when I often say when you want to approach them, it's like you're uh, approaching friends, but like elders, you know, friends who are a little more uh, a few steps ahead of us. So we we should bring you know come with respect, with uh, without expectations. They don't have to serve our agenda at all. Uh, every sign they give is a gift, and the more we appreciate and uh, value those signs, the more they will come. Uh, if some, someone says, "Oh, I just found a pile of bread," or "I just found a, a footprint," well, that might be the last one. If you are grateful for this, oh wow, you know, how many people find a Sasquatch with friends? Not so many. Mm-hmm. But once you start being grateful and and working with them, they, you'll start finding them everywhere. Or, I mean, not everywhere, but more often. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have a, um, a friend, Carter Bushart, and he uh, has documented a lot of them. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um. So, why does Sasquatch only choose to communicate with certain human beings and not others? I mean, obviously their intention is to try to help us and teach us. Mm-hmm. Um, like in one perspective, I would think, okay, well then, then they would want to be as well known and contact as many people as possible. But it seems like they only make contact with people who are open, ready, and willing to, to receive the message, rather than putting it out there for everybody. Well, it, uh, it has to do with what's our intention and what you're up to, basically. It's 
Um, right yesterday, uh, I had a visit here from a, a Mohawk elder, uh, a native medicine man. We did ceremonies in my place. He has contact with Sasquatch as well. Um, just to say, uh, what I was, you had the same question come up. And, um, what they, they look at is really your heart, your intention. If she comes there, you know, to use them, to stalk them, to hunt them, to, uh, or you come them just to become rich and famous and to out of pride and, well, they don't have, I mean, I would, if I, if I was them, I wouldn't care, you know, who, why would they care about if you come with a wrong attitude? And like, sadly, that's probably the majority or a lot, very common thing nowadays. Uh, if you look at all those Bigfoot shows on TV or everything, it's total BS. It's just about trying to put up a show, not about trying to bring out the truth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, from what I've met, I met, like I said, hundreds of people who had contact, and there's certainly thousands more. There are people who are usually very good-hearted, very humble, uh, sincere, you know, helping, loving people. They love nature. The people who like, like me, if you go in nature and start trashing and, and cutting down green trees, they won't like you. They're the keepers of nature. Right. So there's all kinds of criteria that will make them decide who they want to talk to. Like, just like we all do. I mean, we don't want to talk to just about everybody in the planet. We want, we want to talk with the ones we connect with. And it's easier for them to transmit their knowledge. And another thing also that uh, really is a great asset doesn't have to be, but it's a very great asset, is that people who do uh, spiritual or shamanic practices, because you get used to dealing with the other dimension, or uh, spirits, or animal, uh, animal communicators, mm-hmm. uh, are very, very great candidates to communicate with Sasquatch, because they already know to talk into literature. And I often tell people, if you want to learn telepathy, because we all have it, it's just a matter of practicing. Uh, practice with animals. Start with your pets. Start with the birds around your house. And send them some good talk and see how they react. And I can guarantee that anyone who tries these exercises sincerely will see some results. The animal, the, the thoughts we create uh, they're not only brain waves, they, they make ripples, they, they, they travel beyond our body. Um, so we can send very clear intention, prayers or you know, wishes to any being around us in a sense, and it does reach. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, I tell people, practice telepathy with your animals around you, and you will see it works. Then when you see it works, you start to believe it. You start, oh, well, when I get a message coming from Sasquatch, it's not just my imagination, especially if you, it comes with like teachings and, and 
guidance, um, signs, sometimes things, uh, you know, things appear, disappear, all kinds of, uh, uh, images, shows, you know. So that's, um, that's the criteria. As I said, first of all, it takes a good, simple, humble heart, sincere. You're not there for your, your ego, you're there for learning, for helping, if you can. It's good when you go to meet them out, bring an offering, or it doesn't have to be big or fancy, just something from the heart to show respect, something you would give a friend. And from there, um, open your mind, open your heart, open your mind. And when you have a, like, yeah, I mean, I, I compare telepathy to prayer. Uh, people talk to God or you pray, you, you send your thoughts in the universe. Right. Uh, telepathy is pretty much the same, except you, you focus on who you're talking to. So it could be an animal, or a friend, or a Sasquatch. And you, sh you send your uh, intention to the universe and they, they make ripples. They will be heard. Uh, the more w we practice, of course, the better Hmm. I'm going to have to give that a try with my animals. Uh -huh. um, do you think that the government knows about Sasquatch and is trying to hide their existence? Definitely. Um, in the Encyclopedia of All Things Sasquatch that I published, there's a lot of documented research about the cover-up. There's been several undercover uh, expedition to hunt uh, Yeti, Sasquatch, um, CIA, MI6, um, KGB, uh, the Vatican, they were all involved. Uh, in 1963, in Rome, they had what they called the International um, Association, no, committee, International Committee of Research into uh, Hairy Humanoids. Well, if you look at the member of the committee, it, they, they come from all the great powers back then in the world, including ex-Nazis, um, KGB, CIA, all, all those guys got together to try to catch uh, Sasquatch or Yeti. And in the following decade, they put up a hunting party. Actually, uh, famous Bluff Creek story. I guess, I guess everybody has heard of Paddy. Mm -hmm. uh, the Gimlin Patterson footage. Right. Well, what most people don't know is that since 1960, so seven years, since seven years, there was a hunting camp for Sasquatch in Bluff Creek and founded by uh, Tom Slick of the CIA. The same guys came in, here uh, in BC, in Canada, and did another, in, between 1960 and 1963, there was a one, a one Sasquatch hunting camp there, and the place is still called, actually, Sasquatch Lake, it's a provincial pardon. Uh, there's a 1959 uh, Yeti memo when the 
the embassy of the United States in Nepal tried to uh, put some recommendations on the hunting parties, because there were hunting parties since a few years already, including Peter Byrne and Tom Slick and those guys um, in uh, Tibet or Nepal. And so they, they admitted uh, official documents the United States government in 1959 admitted not only there are Yetis, but there are guys hunting them. And they, 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 they declared that if they found anything, any picture, any DNA, uh, any corpse, they needed to keep it silent, silent, not report to the media and bring all the information to the government. So that's one piece of uh, document. <clears throat> prove that Yeti exists, that they're being hunted, and that there's a cover-up. Because hmm. the government don't want us to know that. Uh, that's one example that I could go on about it, but there's uh, plenty, plenty of ex uh, examples that the government got involved in different countries around the world, China, Japan, um, to try to get those hairy humanoids. Uh, Chinese get the Yeren, Yeren is how they call them. Yeah. They did the Yeren expedition two times in the 80s, and 70s and 80s, I think. And um, they found plenty of evidence. They found uh, hair, they found nests, they call footprints, uh, witness accounts, and everything. And they, they, they got a big pile of evidence to conclude, finally, that there's enough evidence to conclude that there is a possibility that those beings exist. That they'll never come and tell you, okay, well, you know now they exist. Uh, because uh, that would mean we have to rewrite all our history books and science books and religious books. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the Gimlin Patterson footage authentic? Um, I, I, I put two chapters about this very question in my encyclopedia. Uh, I might make a lot of people unhappy or sad, uh, but if she is studied, I think, you know, if you just look at it and say, and you try to judge by your, well, whatever, but if she studied the thing, the story, who was involved, how it happened, where, where, where the circumstances? Why did uh, Patterson go uh, try to do a film on Bigfoot months ahead? Uh, he has he had footage where uh, uh, Gimlin was dressed as an Indian, and then he went to uh, to uh, Hollywood and got funding to to do a documentary on Bigfoot. And at the time, the date he, he, he took this college footage. Uh, he was supposed to give back the camera, so he needed to do something quick. Uh, there's all kinds of circumstantial evidence that, if you ask me, 99% chance that it was an uh, oak. Hmm. Uh, I know it's not popular to say that, but um, I'd like to be shown enough evidence to be mm -hmm. the opposite. Right. Uh, which is sad because a lot of Bigfoot believers take Patty 
as their, you know, their reference. While on the other hand, there's a lot of other obscure, uh, unknown pictures and, so, and that I believe are authentic, but we never hear about. And they were all this, since Paddy, every piece of footage has been systematically discredited. Uh, so, uh, I believe it's like part of the, the myth, you know, there's the cover up and the, the, at the other, the same time, there's a lot of hoaxes and fakes and, um, made up things to confuse people just so we, we won't know the truth, you know, and uh, the best way to find the truth is first and experience. And if you don't have a first-hand experience, you can try to find someone who had. Mm -hmm. And from there, the more you find people who had experience, or who have no ancestral knowledge, also, like the natives, the more you will see it all fits together and all comes and you get to the clear picture of what really the Oscars. Hmm. I don't know. I I'm still... I still find Bob Gimlin very authentic. Mm -hmm. so there's, like I say, there's a lot of stories. Uh, I could not be, I'm not trying uh, to, you know, I have an opinion myself. Yeah. From my, uh, I, I think that Bob Gimlin is a great man. I never met him, but, uh, but he uh, admitted uh, in one of his last interviews that uh, there was actually three Bigfoot, they were chasing that day. Yeah. And their story is probably heard, uh, actually, even for instance, that there was massacre down there, and the, some Im images are kind of strange, and <coughs> there was definitely a hunting party there, including John Green and uh, René Dehinden, who became um, some of the top so-called experts. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a, uh, that's another thing I, I, I explained in my encyclopedia is because there's, there's some kind of a mainstream Bigfoot movement. And I'm sorry to say about those guys, they're, they're off. They don't know what's going on. Most of them have never had any encounter at all. Most of them, uh, discredit anything paranormal or, or psychic. Uh, I have personal experience with that because I tried to report my encounters at the beginning. No, we should show up. I want to hear another thing. Uh, John Green, for instance, uh, collected about 6,000 accounts of encounters, out of which this everything with a mention to paranormal or to psychic or even intelligent were discredited and uh, there's about a few dozens of he kept and out of those few dozens there's five or six cases he kept quoting all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's not a very scientific approach. If you discredit what don't fit your your theory, a big eight theory, because if you read John Green, he, he's got chapters full of 
apology to why we should kill them, you know, to uh, explaining that there are, no, they are not people. Uh, we need some specimens on our tables and stuff. Well, you you realize why you never met them. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, if they're in, if they're interdimensional, it's going to be pretty tough to kill one anyway. Yeah, yeah. But there are people out there, like like Ron Moorhead, who is. You know, yeah, putting this theory out, and um, and I think even Bob Gimlin kind of is with him because he wrote the foreword mm -hmm. to his book. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So I people the, uh, are opening up to it. Mm -hmm, definitely, Ron, Ron Morehead uh, definitely on the got firsthand experience to start with. That's what started him, and he's come. I met him uh, at our conference in the. It comes to under to the understanding that those beings are, are uh, well quantum, psychic, uh, anyway, paranormal. That's just an animal. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, for him, it sounds like it was a very spiritual experience. Exactly, exactly. That's what it, it does when you meet them. Hmm. Um. There's also a whole lot of. Uh, so-called mainstream researcher that have, in the recent years, that have changed their views. Yeah. Uh, I cannot name them all now, but I remember observing the last four or five years, many people who were like looking for a big ape and they finally started to address the paranormal in the extraterrestrial and, and mixed with it because they start having experiences and they start uh, putting this information. There's also others like uh, Dimitri Bayanov, who was the founder of the Hominology Institute of Moscow. He was a pioneer in the 50s in the research of a hairy humanoid, Yeti. <coughs> and he had, you know, 70 years of reputation to keep. But then he wrote to uh, to us in in private, and he read my first book that you have, and he started uh, having um, an awakening of some kind because he came back asking us questions uh, for the Sasquatch, and uh, so uh, what happened? I can't say that now because he passed last year. Mm -hmm. um, is that? Wow, when yeah, I saw his opening and that he wanted to learn from the Sasquatch himself uh, through us, I, uh, wow, I was flattered. I said, well, even the long term mainstream scientists getting to this point. So I published this letter on my website. And that caused, he was booked to talk at a big Bigfoot conference in. Uh, DC. And when those guys saw his letter on my website, they canceled his, his, his talk because they, they, and they wrote, Oh, you just lost 70 years of your reputation. Why? This guy has done 70 years of research in the field. And because he started to understand the Sasquatch's psychic, he's flushed. From the Bigfoot world, so that that is obvious example of the cover up 
of the ill will, unscientific approach that those Bigfoot monster show guys want to want to make money with. If you come with the truth, they discard you. Um, but that shows. I'm really glad that this manager, Doctor Dmitry Bayanov, gone finally got to to understand after seven years you know, uh, that who they are. Hmm. So, it, with the multi-dimensional, if Bigfoot's multi-dimensional, you know, he's multi-dimensional. The orbs yeah. are multi-dimensional. Are there any other multidimensional beings on this planet that we're not aware of? First off, we are multidimensional. Yeah. Their whole existence is layers of existence. Uh, but we, our consciousness, has been programmed and trapped into materialism, into believing, oh, there's only... This life, there's only this what I can touch, uh, which is very easily debunkable nowadays with scientific knowledge. We know there's maybe five, maybe six percent of the energy we don't see, we don't touch. Right. So, uh, multidimensional is a uh, uh, in it natural aspect of existence, but the consciousness of it uh, provides what I call an interdimensional understanding and abilities. If you know that, oh, this is the thin line here between physical and natural, let's say. Or, oh, when I dream, uh, my, uh, I can be conscious of what is happening in my dream and I can interact consciously. Or all kinds of steps like that that make us understand the other dimension. So we develop those uh, interdimensional abilities to the point where some, uh, we can say, magician or shamans or uh, masters, uh, it's been documented, uh, they can uh, do like the Sasquatch do. They can appear and disappear and they can uh, even duplicate themselves, teleport, they can uh, have things man uh, materialize. Uh, talking telepathy, uh, all these abilities basically that are natural, we just have to uh, reconnect and remember how they, they work. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's also even yogis all throughout history were known to demonstrate those type of abilities too. Um, yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, I had another question. I forgot what the heck it was. Jeez. I don't know what I was thinking, but I lost my train of thought there. Um, so, do you still have communications with Bigfoot? Oh, yeah. Uh, it can be. In theory, it can be a, a daily thing um, because it's, it's, uh, we're all connected. Um, and once our connect consciousness is connected, we can always communicate. Uh, in practice, of course, I mean, I don't talk to this for 24 hours a day, or, you know, I don't always uh, 
refer to them or her, her you know uh, I, they it's uh it goes with the flow if there's the time when i'm like right now i'm talking about them so they're probably listening but um if uh you know in car in daily life and i'm just doing my thing so not necessarily any paranormal phenomena that's gonna happen what i can say about this is that there were times when i was channeling my book instead, the paranormal phenomena were normal they, they were like happening non-stop around me to remind me what this what work i was doing and uh, <coughs> give me trust and confidence that I was doing the right thing, that it was authentic, that it was real. So they gave me signs like on a daily basis back like then. Uh, right now, like I say, I'm writing another book, actually my sixth book in uh, six years, which should be published uh, hopefully before the end of the month. And uh, it's about a new series about shamanism, it's called Contemporary Shamanic Journey which tell all of my uh, 40 years of uh, learning on the shamanic path in uh, over 20 countries. So uh, the Sasquatch appears here and there in the story and much more in later years, in the last decade. But uh, there are other stories that are as, you know, uh, educative and as important in my life that are not necessarily related to Sasquatch. Right. Uh, but, the the hand, but they're spiritual. It's all spiritual, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I said, on the other hand, it took those experiences for me mm -hmm. to be able to connect closer uh, closely to the Sasquatch and with star beings because it's the same family. So it was a training, basically. And um, so at this time, I can say if I, it's like, it's like a prayer again, telepathy, like I, I said. Anytime I want to talk with them, you know, I can. Uh, then uh, there's a there's times where I don't necessarily need to report it, everything that happens or uh, to them or to my human fellow. You know? There are things that are private in your life, and uh, not every time they give me a gift, uh, they give me a teaching that I need to report it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there are times where I don't need signs. You know, once, uh, like I was, uh, if you find a, a footprint or a, a gift on your table or things like that, a tree structure, wow, you know, what a great gift and blessing and you're grateful and then you find another one and another one after a while it's like you don't really need to find anymore because you know they're there and you know they listen to you and they talk to you and so these uh, outside uh, support become less and less important in your communication right. so uh, I'm more at this uh, point where they will manifest if they have to, if they, they, they have something to say. Uh, but regardless, if they do or not, our connection is always there and we can always uh, connect. I can always ask on their support or help in certain circumstances. 
just like I do with all my spirit guides, actually, uh, whether they are uh, human ancestors or um, animals or star beings. So it's pretty much the same connection that um, I've developed with them. That's really cool. Um, so, uh, how how beneficial do you think it would be if more people practiced different types of mysticism, like shamanism or or any whatever type of spiritual path to try to connect with outside sources of wisdom? If human, if our human being, if human beings did that more. Would there be more hope for this planet? Oh, definitely. Um, we need to remember uh, our spiritual essence. Uh, that's our true essence. Our body will, will, will pass. It will last so many years, and then it's, it's buried and it's dead. Uh, our soul and spirit um, go on continue to evolve uh, and we will return and until we, we grow until we, we learn and until we heal that's the main uh, goal of all this uh, journey some like in in, uh, in India they would say Sanatana Dharma which means the virtuous way of uh, sanctification mm-hmm. uh, other Spiritual school would call it the catharsis or the spiritual transformation from a chrysalis to a butterfly. Um, all these images are the same to show us that we are here to become better humans, better souls. And when we meet, I had the blessing to meet some very great elders in my life that have really transformed my path. Uh, when we meet such people, uh, who dedicate themselves, you know, to uh, being an example and sharing spiritual teaching. Uh, we we realize we can feel and see the power of it. Uh, there's a few of those masters I met, well, a handful I can say, where I could see a white light coming out of them, you know, like without you know, straight and just bright. Um, so that that is a universal truth. Doesn't matter what religion, what uh, path you follow. <coughs> wisdom is wisdom, and when you see it, you you recognize. It. So uh, those <coughs> those elders, uh, I'm really grateful for. Uh, basically, uh, leading, showing the path because we walked it before, but we have to walk it ourselves. Uh, you know, there might be some miraculous uh, intervention that's going to make you skip a few, but uh, we, we don't become a wise elder overnight. It takes a whole life of practice and work. And people like the Sasquatch and the star beings, uh, as well as, you know, all, all our relations, all our uh, spirit guides, they are there to help us in this journey. And it's up to us to make each step further and to, to assimilate the knowledge and to apply it in our life and become a spiritual uh, 
elders. Wow. So that that's definitely the, the right path for us. We we've moved too far away, I think, from our natural abilities and natural connection to each other. Yeah, and we see the result because the the environmental chaos, the disasters, the uh, biodiversity is depleting, uh, <coughs> the wars, the, the injustice, all these things that uh, are not necessary. Uh, I mean, maybe they're necessary for our learning at a certain level, but we don't have, we're not meant to perpetuate those things, we're meant to solve them. Uh, and that would be the best outcome, actually, if we can uh, join our consciousness together and find solutions for the world's problems, starting with all the violence and uh, environmental destruction, because we won't, we simply won't make it if we don't solve it. Right. I, I believe one of the things that you mentioned, too, early in your book is when we still had telepathy, we mm-hmm. felt the results of our actions. Because if we hurt somebody, we, we, we felt their, we heard their thoughts and knew it. And now we don't. Yeah, the empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a, a natural ability. We're, we're born with it. Uh, I think um, today's society, uh, materialism, uh, uh, individualism, and uh, competition, all those things uh, cut us from our empathy. Uh, even the way animals are treated, you know, like um, uh, slaughterhouses and all that, uh, you know, like mass slaughter, uh, things like that. Uh, they say, you know, for instance, if the slaughterhouse says that at last wall soon, we probably wouldn't eat what comes out of it. Because um, that's an example, you know, uh, of how our empathy has been cut to not feel the uh, consequences of our actions. Uh, just like when, whenever, you know, whatever country bombs another one across the planet, <coughs> there's going to be people cheering. Uh, but uh, what, what's to celebrate about mass killing? Uh, for ideology, Purely uh, political or religious ideologies that are uh, man-made concepts. It's not the universal truth. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's an important message. <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I love your book so much is because you, oh. you, you know, you really drive that home. Mm. And, and I just think that's so important. Um, before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you and find your books? Okay. Um, I got a website, which is scenicsasquatch.com. Scenic, S-C-E-N-I-C, stands for Sasquatch Close Encounter Network for Interspecies Communication. Uh, we promote uh, peaceful relations between species. Uh, there's a, on that website, if you go on the homepage, you got all the links to my books. Like I said, a sixth, a sixth book coming out this, this month. Um, there's a 
probably uh, 700 articles by now and um, links uh, to videos, to uh, other books, to other authors, other websites that uh, have information. Interesting. <coughs> and um, oops, I got a, a blank. Uh, well, so okay, so you, from my website you can find my books. You can find uh, also there. Yeah, that's why I was going to say. There's over 150 people so far who have shared uh, their written account on my website. So that gives a good clue, you know, of people who if you want to hear what other people have experienced with Sasquatch. Um, you see that there's quite a few of us. It's not just uh, one man or two guys. Sorry, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and apart from that, um, well, I think if you go on my website, you probably find all the links uh, the, to my books, to my channels, and uh, on the main page you will find that. All right. Well, I will post a link to your website in the notes of this episode. Uh, so you. after listening, my uh, listeners can go there and check it out and buy some of your books and watch some of your videos and learn more. All right. Thank you. And also, when your new book comes out, feel free to contact me because I'd love to have you back on again. Yeah, all right. Thank you. We also have uh, Facebook groups and pages that are listed on my website. So if you want to join communities, you're welcome. Great. Well, thank you very much for being on today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. You're welcome. Hang on for one second, and I just have to play the outro. All right. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. And it's on Amazon. It'll change your life. Because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.